welcome to Write Damn It, the podcast for writers of all kinds who are looking for inspiration and motivation to get the writing done. And I'm your host, Zoe Richards. Let's talk motivation. I think it's helpful to know right at the very beginning that if you're not motivated at times, it may not be your fault. I know that sounds counterintuitive because you're the one who's not motivated. So how can it not be your fault that you're not motivated? Well, some of it comes down to our expectations and how our expectations are set. And what I want to take you through today is some of the things that I wish I'd known right at the very beginning of doing my writing. Because if I'd known these things, things, my expectations would have been in a much better place. And having those better expectations, I would have been more likely to retain that motivation that we need to keep on doing our writing. So let me give you a few examples of what I mean by this. Let's start off with the plotting side of things. Now, some of you are going to be thinking to yourself, do you know, I'm not a plotter, Zoe. I really don't want to start becoming a plotter. Don't tell me I've got to be a plotter. And I get that. I'm somebody who I would describe as a discovery writer. The term you hear most often is pantser. That's somebody who writes by the seat of their pants. Well, I prefer the term discovery writer. So I discover as I'm going along. But what I did find out, or I did discover, you could say, is that I'm going to have to plot at some point. If I leave the plotting right to the very end, what ends up happening is that you've got quite a complicated process of plotting. What I do now is that I start off with some level of plotting. I'm not one of those people who has post-it notes all over the walls in front of me. I haven't plotted down to every single scene in every single chapter. What I do in terms of plotting is make sure that I've got some level of boundaries so that I've got a structure in place and I can then carry on doing my discovery writing with those boundaries to make sure that I know the journey I'm going on with the novel. So what that means is that I now feel more motivated as I'm writing because I've not got to unpick everything at the very end and do that plotting in my first, second or third draft. So that's the first one that you've got to plot at some point in the writing process. The second thing I wish I'd known at the beginning of writing was about word counts. Each genre has an expected word count. So the very first novel that I finished, it's not the first novel I tried to write, but the first one I finished was a historical fiction. And that was one that I have to say is written quite badly. I do want to go back to the story at some point, but it wasn't written well. And even not written well, I'd achieved 120,000 words. Now for historical fiction, that's absolutely fine. But you know, it was too weak to be historical fiction. So then you've got to ask yourself, have I overwritten, underwritten, but tried to make too much happen? Now, the novel I've got out on submission to commissioning editors through my agent at the moment, that one is book club fiction. It's called Uplit. So for those of you who don't know what Uplit is, that's uplifting fiction. So it starts off with a a journey of transformation and it's going to end in a positive place. Now, with that novel, I found that I was far better giving myself an aim for the the draft, and that was to have 70,000 words, because the given for a book club fiction is around about 85,000. So there's no point writing 100 or 120,000 words for book club fiction, because actually what will happen is it will get rejected just on the number of words, however good your writing is. And the reason for that is that it costs too much money to work with a novel that is too many words to bring it down to the number of words. And at the end of the day, whilst we might think of this as a creative process, for 
publishers, it's a business and they're looking to see how much is it going to cost to get this book out there to the public and how much money are they likely to make off the back of selling that book. So there's no point in us writing too many words and thinking, well, it's okay because this is how my story needs to be told. If you've got too many words for the genre you're working in, you need to reduce it down within the expected number of word count. So I wish I'd known that. And then when it comes to editing... Well, I was very naive in the beginning. It's only thanks to uh, Lucy Atkins, who during lockdown did a series of Friday lunchtime sessions, Instagram Lives. And through that, I discovered that when you're editing, it's more than proofreading. I naively thought that all my editing was going to be around understanding whether I'd made typos and correcting those. If I had missed words out of a sentence, if the sentence didn't quite work and I needed to rewrite it, structure the words in a different order. I didn't realise that editing is also about, I didn't realise that editing is also about structural edits, that it's about developmental edits, that it's about copy editing. It's then coming on to proofreading way, way further down the journey. So yeah, I wish I'd known that at the beginning because maybe some of my earlier attempts at writing would have found a better place because they would have been edited properly and not just proofread. The next thing I wish I'd known right at the very beginning was about world building. Now, I'm not writing fantasy or sci-fi, so I honestly didn't think that world building was something I needed to be concerned with. Actually, we all need to be thinking about what our world is that we're inviting the reader to be part of. So whatever type of genre we're writing, we need to make sure that our reader can come and join us in that world that we've created. So we ourselves need to understand the world that we're taking people into. It's really interesting from all of my beta readers that they all said at the end that they wanted to go to Pinewoods Retreat, which is where the novel is based. So I obviously built that world really well, that they felt that they wanted to go there. They, they experienced it as a real place. The next thing I discovered, and I wish I'd known right at the beginning, because when it comes to making changes to your novel, if you have used the wrong rules of writing, and I'll give you an example of that. So one rule of writing is inverted commas, the speech marks. So in America, it's double speech marks. In the UK, it's single speech marks. Because of my school education, I was using double speech marks, and really I needed to have used single. So you remember that long novel I mentioned before that was 120? 20,000 words, I had to go through the whole thing changing my double speech marks to single speech marks. Then we've also got another rule which is useful to know about, and that's the caps for pronouns. So if a character is talking about mum and dad, and it's her talking about them or thinking about mum and dad, then it's her mum and dad, so it's capital M, capital D. But if it's a narrative part, so the narrator is referencing her mum and dad, it's not her who's owning them, it's the narrator letting us know about that and therefore it becomes lowercase mum and dad. Then we get on to chatting and dialogue. So at the very beginning of me writing, I used to think that what we really needed to do was mimic chats, conversations that people have. How wrong I was. In fact, chatting is not dialogue at all. So our dialogue needs to have a purpose. We need to make sure that there's a reason for that dialogue to be there. And then we need to make sure that it works, which it won't do if it's chatting. I came across something that referenced transcripts from courts and the fact that if you just read the transcript, even though it can work in the court, reading the transcript is really boring. So even if you're writing a court scene, you don't want it to be exactly as it would be in a real court scene. So you have to turn it into 
a form of dialogue so that it works. And the same would go for if you're listening to some people on the bus talking, you're not going to reflect everything that they're saying. You need to perhaps take something that was funny or something that was a particularly pertinent comment that they made and weave that into the dialogue that you're creating in your novel. So chatting is not dialogue. The next one that I find really helpful nowadays, and I wish I'd known about right at the very beginning, is that alpha readers help. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, alpha readers? I thought it was beta readers, Zoe. Come on, what are you talking about? Well, beta readers are for when you've finished your first draft and possibly also done some redrafts. So you might be on to your third or fourth draft by the time you send things out to beta readers. I sent my novel out to people when it was on to its seventh draft and asked them as beta readers to tell me what they thought of what I felt was a finished novel. So that's not what I'm talking about. Here I'm referencing alpha readers because they're people who you send snippets to. So you might send a scene to them, maybe you send a chapter to them, or maybe you send your first 3,000 words. But the idea with an alpha reader is that you're not waiting until you get to the end to find out whether a character works. So an example of that is my character Holly in the book that's out to commissioning editors. And when I sent that out to one one of my alpha readers, her response was, do you know, Zoe, I don't know if I want to push her up against a wall and hit her or whether I actually want to pull her into me and hug her. Now, I wanted the hugging response. So if an alpha reader is feeling like this actually isn't a character I like, it's somebody who's annoying me and irritating me, then I know I've got to work on the characterization. I don't want to wait until I've written the whole of the 70,000 words of the first draft or the whole of the 85,000 words of the book that's ready to go out to beta readers to then discover I've not got my characterization right. So it's really important to use alpha readers. And I so wish I'd known that right at the very beginning. If I'd done that at the beginning with the first book that I mentioned that I finished as a whole novel, which is the historical novel, that one then I think could have been much stronger if I'd used alpha readers. Unfortunately, the only person I used as an alpha reader, it was through lockdown to entertain my mum. I would send her bits. It's my mum for crying out loud. Of course she's going to say, oh, this is fabulous. Oh, I think these characters are wonderful. Oh, this is the best thing I've ever read. That's exactly what my mum told me. It wasn't helpful because really she's biased. You know, she's very kind to tell me those nice things, but it didn't help me to improve the novel. What we need to do then is use our alpha readers to help us know right at the very beginning, is this working? And then we can revisit what we're writing and improve on it before we get too far on with the writing. So I said at the beginning, motivation not entirely our fault. So if you think of those kind of things, if we'd known them, and there are others, by the way, the fact that there are given structures, the fact that agents are not paid anything until they receive their commission from sales, so we can't be entitled to them doing certain things for us. And I could go on with other things that I wish I'd learned right at the very beginning. But the important thing here is for us to recognise that sometimes our motivation can be affected because we didn't realise that we needed to have written a certain word count, that there's a given structure for the kind of genre I'm writing, that I should have worked really hard on building my world, that I should have made sure that I had dialogue that works in a novel and it doesn't sound like it's chatting. All of these things can knock our confidence that make us feel, what am I bothering for? Why did I actually bother to write this novel? Because nobody likes it, it's not working. But if we knew these things right at the very beginning, we can work on it. So I want to set you up with something that is 
for success rather than failure. I want you to think of this process you're going through is your apprenticeship. Sure, we all did English language at school. We learned about grammar. We learned how to write. But that really isn't our apprenticeship. That's our absolute basic education for writing a novel. In order for us to be continuing to be motivated by the way that we write, we need to view the early stages of our writing as our apprenticeship. Think then of this period you're going through now as being your apprenticeship and how you're going to develop your skills. If you get stuck at any point, maybe it's not that you've lost motivation. Maybe you're not overwhelmed. Maybe, just maybe, this is because you've identified an area of learning that you need to focus on. I mentioned dialogue earlier on. Well, for me, at one point, I was really stuck. I had had dreadful feedback from a couple of alpha readers, and they were saying that they didn't feel like the characters were very believable. So I did a bit of reflecting. I went through those characters, and I realized that the dialogue that I was using was actually quite stilted, but there were occasions it worked. So I went off and I studied dialogue to understand why was some parts of my dialogue working, why were other parts not working. From that, I was then able to improve how I wrote and develop through that apprenticeship. Incidentally, I'm still in my apprenticeship. I've spoken to published writers who would say they're still in their apprenticeship. This is not something that changes overnight for us. So don't allow yourself to lose motivation purely because you're at a new stage of learning. This is a time for you to develop and grow as a writer. And when you start to think about those things that you wish you known right at the very beginning of your writing journey, you can then allow yourself to see this as a journey and to see this as part of your learning process. Hopefully that helps you to think about motivation. Every Friday, you can listen in for the five minute Friday. This is just a very short snippet for something to inspire you and motivate you to get your writing done every Friday. So listen in for those five minute Friday sessions to get your little boost of motivation as you go into the weekend. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.